Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, folks, just joining us across the country via the miracle of Internet Radio. The Internet is awesome. We are blazing a trail here of both old and new methods of study and worship of Adonai Elohim and his son, Yeshua Hamashiach. I'm sure you've noticed that to the extent possible, we use the appropriate and accurate Hebrew words for the characters and places in Scripture. Remember, these are Hebrew people. And you know what? Most of what we'll talk about today, these folks are mostly Jews, although some were Greek, Corinthians. I wonder if they made rich Corinthian leather. Most people are too old to know what that reference is to. But anyway, um, so they're, uh, we're going to be teaching through their shared struggle and experiences. Yeshua, just so you know, is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord is salvation. The English spelling of Yeshua is Joshua. However, when translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Iesus. Iesus. The English spelling for Iesus is Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. That's how we got that name. It's like the game of telephone that's played across 2,000 years. I chose to cut out the middleman and the thousands of years and just call him by his original and actual name, Yeshua. So, by the way, those of you who are listening and also here in the audience, while you have a chance, hit follow on Blog Talk Radio. You have to fill out just a little tiny bit of information. won't be shared with anybody. And uh, subscribe uh, on Twitter. Well, no, Twitter I think is follow too, but subscribe. Does it say my, my webmaster super to? On the webpage, facebook.com backslash God in Country Radio. And you, at the top of that, you hit subscribe and take you right to the Blog Talk Radio and you'll be in like then. Okay. We only have a little bit of time, so I'm going to get started. Please join me in reading 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and following. For I pray in a tongue. My spirit does pray, but my mind is unproductive. So what about it? I love that he says that. So what about it? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. By the way, this week, this last week, we're going to talk about tongues, really. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk a lot more about tongues after this week. We're gonna just, and I'm reading from, by the way, the complete Jewish Bible, which is a really, really cool translation by David Stern, Dr. David Stern, pretty amazing guy. But I will also pray with my mind, I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my mind. Otherwise, if you're giving thanks with your spirit, how will someone who has not yet received much instruction be able to say Amen? 
when you finish giving thanks, since he doesn't know what you're saying. What cracks me up here, this is what I think is funny. What cracks me up here is if you think about that, what he just said, I think it's fascinating. I honestly think that's fascinating that he said that. Uh, and really has a modern connotation, really. How, in other words, what he's saying, how will he know when you're done? To say, oh, that's good. Yes, amen. That's good stuff. I agree. I agree. Or fake like he's paying attention. How will they know? They won't know. It seems silly, doesn't it? But it's practical. Shaul, or Paul, as you, as you know him, Shaul is being very practical here and saying, how will they even know what you're saying? I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about the modern application of that in just a minute. So, amen, when you have finished giving thanks, since he doesn't know what you were saying. For undoubtedly you're giving thanks very nicely. <laughs> but, in other words, hey, you're doing a great job. You're just doing great. I'm, come on, you can do it. You're a great church leader, and we're pulling for you. But the other person is not being edified. Remember last week we talked about those of you who listened, those of you who were live. By the way, I'm just saying you you missed. Were you you weren't here last week? You missed some good food last week. Last week was epic. There was some seriously good food. This week we have good food too. I haven't gotten to tear into too much of it, but the little Hebrew national uh, hot dogs they went pretty quick. They were going fast. Little little mini hot dogs. They were good. Pigs in a blanket, we call those. Kosher pigs in a blanket. I love that, love that for the Messianics around here. <laughs> the other person is not being edified. Remember last week we talked about how that's so important? And what I want to do this week is is have you take in the fact that, you know what? It really is about edifying the body, the kehalah, those that are around us that are worshiping and studying. It's about this coming together like this. This is to lift all of us up. It's, it's to encourage all of us because all of us at some point in time or another have struggled. Some of us, nobody knows the struggles. Yeah, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. So uh, I could go on, but you don't want me to do it. So uh, my record label doesn't like me to sing for free. I'm just saying. Yeah. But um bum So, uh, oh, there's some homemade chicken noodle soup right there. That's the soup you were talking about. Wow. You guys at home, you're missing out. And there's, is this, what is this, papal bread? From the, one of the people here has a garden. And she makes a bunch of stuff out of all natural stuff. And it's awesome. So anyway, a lot of Pennsylvania Dutch food here. Just saying at home. Everybody, everybody that hasn't eaten yet, they're going to send me notes saying, and fried chicken, which, folks, Yardbird, I'm going to go with some Yardbird. I'm from Sussex County, Delaware. I'll eat Yardbird all day long. Uh, I'll get notes, I'm sure. And chocolate. That's right. We have, I wouldn't say we're terribly healthy here. Our food isn't terribly healthful, but everything in moderation. You know, just like they say, wine makes a little wine, makes the heart gladder. Anyway, that's a whole different sermon. The Southern Baptists are like, oh, no, he did not just bring that out. We'll have to have a talk with him about that. <laughs> For Dally, you give him thanks, very nice, but the other person not being edified. We want to lift each other up. We want to support each other. We want to pull for each other. We want to help bear each other's burdens. We want to uh, share in our rejoicing. That's all edification. And I'm going to say this, you know, and I don't think this is talked about enough, quite frankly, but you know when 
something great happens in somebody's life, we rejoice such a short period of time. You know, we may pray a very, very long period of time. We may really anguish in our prayers. But then when that good thing happens, we give thanks just like for four minutes. And then it's over. And then we move on to the next really great thing. We don't really go off on praising. I got your dev guru jacket on. Like it. Michael Strange Foundation, y'all. Um, so, uh, you know, the thing is, by the way, you guys need to listen to my show tomorrow. I'm going to talk about uh, Hussein Obama and the prayer breakfast and what that really means, what that's all really about. And we'll be a little uncorked because it really ticked me off. Just saying. Note to self, they don't call me Ninja Pastor for nothing. Anyway, but then that also goes to the edification part. Um, you know, if we don't really rejoice with one another when something great happens in our lives, you stop bringing those really great things. You, you stop bringing those really great things to the group to say, hey, you'll never guess just what happened in my life. You know, my bald spot is smaller. My stomach is smaller. You know, uh, you know. I don't know, my dog came back, whatever the case may be. Or, you know, I've really been struggling with sickness. Remember, we've been praying about this. And I've, I had some three great days right in a row. Yeah, amen. I've struggled with this or that, and I'm feeling better. Or I have an addiction, a hurt, a habit, or hang-up. They don't have to know what that hurt, habit, or hang-up is, but you say, man, I've, I've had victory for a whole week. Awesome, and we rejoice together. But if we don't do that, if we don't share those things, guess what else we won't share? We won't share the troubles. We won't share the troubles. And that's part of, because this Corinthian church, these people were under the gun. I mean, there, there was, they didn't know how quite how to do kehala. They knew how to do uh, temple, synagogue. They knew how to go and do that. But they didn't know how to do this new thing called kehola, which is not to put away all the old stuff. But it is to bring in something new and, and more and deeper and all of that. Not to do away with temple or synagogue or Torah, but to bring this new, this, this real powerful thread that's coming through this crimson and golden thread. No USC fans and alumni, I'm not talking about you. Anyway, how about that pass? Can anybody figure out what the, what was up with that? It's I, nobody can figure. Out. It would have been the most genius play in history if a guy from a community college from Vicksburg, Mississippi, or Mississippi. I mean, that was an amazing play on his part. But, I mean, I'm talking about the Super Bowl, y'all that don't know. But the play at the end, they could have. I just think they could have won with. That guy, Marshawn Lynch, just, he had two plays. He could have powered it in. Doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just I'm lost on it. But then again, I'm in the majority because most people are like, what? But Pete Carroll would be the genius right now, wouldn't he? If he threw a pass and nobody was protecting on the pass, nobody was covering the pass, he'd be a genius. He is a genius. Look, you don't get the Super Bowl by being dumb. And, and so far, I don't know if this is going to be a shock to you guys, no one's asked me to coach in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying. I know you're surprised at that, but it's true. Not yet. It's coming. I thank God, this is verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, Shaul here, or Paul, is not saying, suck and I'm great. Uh, you're just little bitty and I'm great. It's, it's put a little bit different here. And we lose a little bit of it in, from Hebrew to English. Uh, even Hebrew to Greek to English, we lose a lot. But if we just go straight from Hebrew, what we know, if he was speaking his native tongue, 
we lose a little bit. Um, he's not saying I'm bigger or greater than you. What he's saying is, is his occasion to speak in tongues is more often able to be expressed because if we know Shaul from other writings, he prayed in a different way than a lot of us pray, and certainly a lot of these folks in the Kehla, the people he was talking to. So he's referring to he's he's emphasizing I had an I have an occasion to pray, and he gives the rules a little bit later on. We'll talk about which we've talked about before. But we're going to put them put them away tonight. We're going to be finished with them tonight. So he's not saying that, look, I'm greater than you. So don't, don't, don't get hung up on that because, trust me, in just a little bit, you're going to hear a verse that everybody gets hung up on. I thank God that I speak tongues more than all of you. But in a congregation meeting, I would rather say, man, that pawpaw bread is killing me. I can, can you guys smell that? I'm going to have some. I'm going to have some. Not right now. I'm busy, busy preaching, but in a minute. I'm, I'm going to train my radio audience to get used to hearing the chewing sound. Mmm, <laughs> this is so good. If you were here, you could have some. And the people on the other line are like, the people listening at home are like, mm, I don't think I could get some because you're busy eating. Anyway. But in a congregation, I would rather say five words with my mind in order to instruct others with 10,000 words in a tongue. 10,000 words, that's a lot, right? I'm not even going to say 10,000 words in this hour. I'm not. not even going to come close. If all of us put together were to count our words in this hour and a half, we're, we're together an hour and a half, soon this will be two hours. Um, we, look, folks, we, we would not even total up 10,000 words. We just wouldn't. So he's saying, look, I could go on and talk in this huge volume of, of words. I could be incredibly verbose. I could talk almost forever and not have that many words. But I'd rather say five. Five words. I'd rather say five. I would like to think you could, you could put the word intelligible words, meaningful words, words that have substance, words that edify. We know that edify, like I said in the beginning, can be good. You can edify somebody by saying, man, you're doing great. We have someone here that's knitting. Isn't that knitting? Crocheting. I knew I would mess that up. I don't know what knitting is then because I thought that was knitting. But crocheting. And then there's cross point. Is it called cross point? Yeah. Cross stitch. Needle point. There's so many. How can I keep up with it? So I could say, wow, Miss Charlotte, you're doing a great job on that, whatever it is she's doing. I don't know. But it looks great. I could say that. But if she was new to it, which obviously she's not, but if she was new to it and I was great at it, assuming I even knew what it is or what the differences are, and I said, hey, I see that you're doing, what is it again? Crochets, whatever that is. Uh, crochets, I'm, you're crocheting really well. I don't know, you know if anybody's ever shown you this, but I have this super cool stitch, loop, knot, whatever, that I do. Uh, that I want to show you. It's a trick to get better at it. She could either be offended. Mr. Shaw could be offended and go, oh, yeah, you don't know anything about crocheting, which obviously I don't. She'd be right. But in this little play that we're doing here, assuming I did, let's assume I did know a lot about it. Let's assume I was known for that. Not the ninja pastor, but the knitting pastor. The crochet 
Kid or whatever my cool nickname would be. I don't think that it would be quite the same as Ninja Pastor. I'm just saying. Not the same effect. He wears a lot of pink. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. I think pink looks good on me. But uh, anyway, that's a whole other story. Anyway, uh, so, oh, that is excellent. Holy, wow. That's really cool. No, I'm not putting that on. You see how good my hair came out today, y'all. Hey, Yarmulke, yeah. <laughs> it's gone really far down the wrong road now. Let me ask you something. What would an example of, so if I said that to, to her, Miss Charlotte, about her crocheting, assuming I'm a genius crocheter, she could be offended and go, well, what do you know? You're only famous for crocheting I'm to it, and I'm going to bring some new, new flavor to it. She could be offended, or she could say, oh, show me that stitch. I want to learn how to do that. That would be awesome. She, which was better? Which is better? The second one? I would say. So edification, that I could almost help correct or guide or mentor or lead or encourage her through if she was doing a wrong stitch to help her not do that stitch, or she was going the long way around somehow or another. And I could teach her a shortcut that would help her crochet more, crochet better, whatever the case may be. So edification, my point is, is edification can be both things. But what changes it is my heart. Because if I, if I stormed up in here with my crocheted sweater and my crocheted vest and my, I don't think you wear crocheted pants. I'm just, that's not even, that didn't go well. Um, with my hat or whatever, and I go, pfft. Is that the best you can do? Man, that stinks. I'd never wear anything like that. I hope you're not going to give that to your family because, woo, that's terrible, you know, type of thing. It, where's my heart in that? You should, you, should just, you should watch me crochet and see how great a crocheter I am. Where's my heart in that? I'm, I'm running her down. And clearly, she's awesome at it because she wears hats every week that she makes. She just tossed a hat to me. That's awesome. And I'm, I could even wear that. I would wear that. Don't judge. Anyway, anyway, my ninja hat. That's my ninja hat. Those at home are going, I want to see the hat. Somebody show me the hat. You could probably put it. Here you go. Go to the Facebook page. We'll put a picture of it on there, but not with it on me. I'm just saying. Listen, I have a modeling career to think of. No, I don't. Everybody's going, you know, I've seen his picture, and I don't know who he's talking about. (laughs) Anyway. Five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. 20. Brothers, don't be children in your thinking. In evil, be like infants, but in your thinking, be grown up. Grow the heck up, people, is what he's saying. Don't be petty. Don't be petulant. Don't be a child in these things. Listen, we're here learning together. What do we know about Paul? He was the Pharisee's Pharisee trained under Gamaliel. He was really creme, creme de la creme. The fair, I mean, come on. He was top of the heap. They knew that he knew what he was talking about because his reputation preceded him, both good and bad. Both good and bad. In the Torah, it is written, this is 21, by other tongues, by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to, his, to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says Adonai. Thus, tongues are not a sign for believers but unbelievers, while prophecy is not for unbelievers, 
but for believers. Don't miss that. We've said this three weeks in a row, y'all. And I know that you're thinking, man, dude, this is repetitive. After this week, we're not going to repeat as much. But it's very important. It's very important that we make sure before we move on, we really understand and know, hey, you know what? This is important. This is important to know this fact because I'm, I'm going to show you an example. I don't know if I'll get to do it on the air or not. But, um, of course, obviously in radio they can't see the example in the show, but I'll talk about it. Um, there's some folks using tongues, the argument of tongues uh, being uh, the, the sign of receiving the Holy Spirit, the only sign of receiving the Holy Spirit. They're using it for their financial gain, and it's a, a very manipulative tool, unfortunately. It doesn't mean that tongues doesn't exist. It just means that there are some folks that I believe are mis- misusing it. And, and maybe this is why Shaul comes here, why the Apostle Paul comes here, and he is, this is so important, because these people are misusing it. So don't feel so bad. We, you know, we look back, we reflect, and we say, oh, if we could only be like the, you know, the, the Acts church, if we could only be like the original church, we would be so great then. Things are so bad now. Listen, things were bad then. They were way worse than now. I don't I haven't seen any prostitutes setting up a booth up in Arkehala. I'd think I'd notice. But there was that going on. There was drunkards coming in. Remember we talked about this, you know, coming in drinking up all the communion communion wine and uh people coming in and eating up all the food, you know, taken away from others. So they had their share of problems. In the Torah it is written by other tongues by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. So let me just say, in the Torah, who is speaking? God. Yahweh. He is speaking to his people. Adonai is saying, it says right at the end, says Adonai. It, he, he is he's telling you, look, tongues exist. By the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, but even they will not listen to me. I'm just going to touch on this really fast right now. I'm going, to, I'm going to solve this for you. People say, if I could just see a miracle, if I just get a miracle, if I just get the gift of tongues, if I could just get, you know, the Holy Spirit would just fall on me. I will believe. Guess what? It's not going to happen to you if you don't believe. It's, it comes after the expression of faith, the death of faith. You may not understand it fully at the time, but that's when it's going to happen. But I want you to understand that this verse, Adonai himself is even saying in, in the Tanakh, uh, or in Torah, hey, you know what? I showed you these things. I did these things, and you still don't believe. We're going to talk about another that in a little bit. Thus, this is 22, thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is not for unbelievers but for believers. So if the whole congregation comes together with everybody speaking in tongues and uninstructed people and unbelievers come in, won't they say you're crazy? You know what we don't do? in the, air quotes, Christian church. I can't speak for the Catholics, but I would say this is probably the same in the Catholic church. But let's say in the Protestant and Catholic church in general, we have practices and rituals and buzzwords and all these different things that we do that alienate anybody that walks in. Uh, I have actually preached to groups where certain people in the group had never heard the gospel. They'd never picked up a Bible and read the Bible, ever in their life. They never, ever heard 
the power of God unto man. And they never knew that they could tap into that. They never did. That was stunning to me. Do you guys remember the example I gave last week of the interpreter? Not even an actual interpreter uh, at a Billy Graham Evangelical Association crusade. And he spoke a dialect and, and, and he came to Christ through interpreting in front of this crowd of thousands. Remember that? You remember that story? If at least he didn't understand what Dr. Billy Graham was saying to him, do you think those people out there in the audience, the 10,000 people probably that were in the crowd, would have understood? Would anyone have come to the saving knowledge of Christ? So if I blow into a church and I preach using a language that not everybody in that church can understand, I've wasted my time. It's the power of the right language. It's the power. And sometimes we look crazy. Now, sometimes I don't care about looking crazy. I want you to understand, if we're in a prayer meeting, if we're in a gathering, a close gathering together, and we know it's us, it's just family up in here, and we know there's nobody outside the family, nobody outside the faith, and, and we know that sometimes you get into prayer and worship that, that, that takes a whole nother level. And you don't have to worry so much about that because you're with your, your people, your group. Just like if you have a small group. I know several of you here in this group host small groups every week. So as you get to know everybody in that small group uh, and, and the Bible study or, or whatever it is type of thing that you do, you know who's there. And so when someone shows up and they don't know, you, you, don't, you don't know about their place of faith. And you can see by talking to them, and you can see by their countenance that they're confused. That's when you want to be receptive to their their lack of understanding of what you're doing and not alienate them further, but incorporate them, bring them in, use language they understand. And and if you bust out in tongues, I tell you, I went to a, Assemblies of God, nothing against Assemblies of God, but this just happens to be a church I went to. I'd never been to this particular church before, ever, 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 ever in my life. And I said, let me go in there. Let me step on in there and see what's what. I just wanted to see what it was about. And the preacher was preaching, and he preached an incredible sermon. I was like, man, dude can preach. Dude can preach. I hope they have tapes. Back when they had tapes. I hope they have tapes. I'm going to buy me one. And uh, I remember there was there was a period where... The organ started to play. Uh, you know, he was preaching, and he went from being this incredible preacher to this guy who made no sense at all. And I'm sitting here thinking, because I didn't grow up hearing tongues. I grew up hearing about how bad tongues were and how you were a whack, you were a whack job if you preached in tongues, and that was some fake thing that people were doing. You know, that's what I grew up hearing. I independent fundamental Baptist man. I was, you know, listen. You were told early that's no, that's of the devil. That they no more tongue speaking. You know, I was told wrong, clearly and obviously. But the point is, I went in under that teaching, believing that, and I saw all this happen. Well, I'm a dude that grew up in church from way little. I was saved and baptized at five years old. I knew what the deal was, but I never saw anything happening like what happened there. It did not inspire me as a grown man. It did not inspire me to greater faith. It inspired me to go, people at radio can't see this, but backing up. I was backing off of when all this stuff started to happen. I knew some of the people in the audience, and they started doing stuff I'd never seen them do before. And not a bit of it made any sense. There was one 
threw himself down on the floor. He was, now they would call it the inchworm or whatever it's called. I mean, he was just bouncing around on the floor face down, not making a bit of sense, like he was, looked like he was having a seizure, quite honestly. Just a lot of stuff was going on. There was people shouting out and, and stuff that weren't words. I couldn't make out what the words were. I, I didn't know what they were saying. And no one stood up and said, this is what he just said. And so I, I want you to understand that it was disturbing for a guy like me. You know, and, and you couldn't say I'm a newbie. You can't say I'm a newbie because I've been in church. I, at that time, i have been in church my whole life. What I'm saying to you is, is sometimes we have to think about, and Shaul was saying this here. He was saying, look, they're going to think you're crazy. And I think he was using that as an example. Do you, even, do you people even understand what you're doing here? Do you understand? Do you have a full understanding? And they didn't. The fact is they didn't because why would he emphasize so much? If this weren't such a big problem, why would he emphasize this so much? so repetitively. I'm repeating it because it was repeated. And plus, I want to drive home the point, which is what I do. Anyway, 24. But if you all prophesy and some unbeliever or uninst- Oh, wait, there's a verse talking about this. Silly me how this happened. I couldn't have known. But if you all prophesy and some unbeliever... Let me just take this and put this down here just in case... Oh, look, it's Ready Whip and it's real. I'm not saying I might put that on there, but I might. Yeah, it could happen, what you say? Whippets. Oh, no. I ain't always been a pastor. But if you all prophesy and some unbeliever or uninstructed person enters, he is convicted of sin by all. He is brought under judgment by all, and the secrets of his heart are laid bare. So he falls on his face like I'm about to do and worships God, saying, God is really here among you. What is your conclusion, brothers? Brothers, whenever you come together, let everyone be ready with a psalm or a teaching or a revelation or ready to use his gift of tongues or give an interpretation, but let everything be for edification. The example I just gave was a real-life example that I gave. Remember I just said a few minutes ago, hey, uh, it's all about edification of the group, of the Kehalah. And then I gave a real example that really did happen to me. I was freaked out. Freaked out. And I wasn't easily freaked out. I was a grown man. But I went into this church where for the first 20 or 30 minutes of this guy's preaching, whoa, was he awesome. I mean, he was awesome. He was awesome. I'd put him right up there in the top ten of preachers I'd ever heard in my life. He was really amazing. But then something degraded at a certain point, it went into this place that served no purpose. And the part I didn't tell you then, but I'll tell you now after I read the verse, was I wasn't alone. I looked around and I saw teenagers, obviously teenagers, children of adults in the church. The adults were perfectly comfortable. You could see it on their face. Their children, not so much. Their children were probably thinking, sketchy. You know, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I looked around. I saw a lot of people that weren't digging this part of the service. And probably they came for the first part when the preacher's blowing everybody's mind by how incredible he was. 
But then it devolved into this thing that nobody truly could understand because I guarantee you, since nobody got up and interpreted, who knows what they were saying? I remember there was this one lady, this one lady, and she was dressed very conservatively, very churchy. She definitely had a church look. And she commenced to squeal and stood up and was kind of like running in place with her hands up. And then she started running around the uh, the outer, like little, you know, I don't know what you call that. Uh, not alley. What do you call that? Aisle. Aisle. Started with an A. Apples and aardvarks. Um So she was running, and you could tell. And I'm thinking to myself, sister going to fall. She's going to fall and bust her head. Then she's going to be speaking in tongues. She's going to have a head injury. Sure enough, not that I willed it on her. Sure enough, she did trip and fall, but she played that stuff off. She played like the Lord just hit her right then. Well, what actually had happened, she hit her left knee on one of those little things that came out and tripped and you know caught her on the shoe, and she went flying straight out. And she must have bounced and skipped and, and then came to a stop, and then she just didn't miss a beat. She played it off like, man, this is part of the being touched in the spirit. And I remember thinking to myself, lunatic, you look like a lunatic. Do I know if the spirit was whoosh through her and she was slain in the spirit? I don't know. I can't speak for her heart. But I know nobody explained what she was saying, what she was squealing. Now, it was Sussex County, Delaware. She could have been speaking plain English, but you just don't know what you're going to get. That explains a lot about my sermons, why sometimes they just don't make sense, because I'm from there. I'm just saying, you know, we got to come with the right heart. And that's that's what Shaul was saying here. Hey, I want you to come with the right heart. I want you to come ready to come together. Let everyone be ready with a psalm or a teaching or a revelation or ready to use his gift of tongues and, or give an interpretation, but let everything be for edification. Let me say this. Let me say this. No pressure. But I can learn, and this is part of this that I think we miss. Whenever you come together, let everyone be ready. Does it say let the preacher? You know how I know it didn't say let the preacher? Because there weren't preachers. There wasn't the traditional pastor role. And then it was pastor way up here, and then the subordinate congregation. It wasn't that at all. Let me say to you, I learned as much from you people. Our conversation last week lifted me up. I was so tired and so hurting when I left here, but our conversation lifted me. That what you, Some of the different stories you gave me were powerful. Many of you, when you, I get some, I get energy from you. I get, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's to hear what's happening in your lives. Or, or you say, I was studying scripture this weekend and this verse suddenly became clear to me. Have you ever thought of it this way? And then I go, Ooh, yeah, wow, that's awesome. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's not just for me to impart to you. It goes both ways. I get a lot from you guys. I always say you're my favorite audience, and it's true. It's absolutely true. So 27, if the gift of tongues is exercised, let it be by two or three, two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. We said this before. I'll say it again. Listen, once more than two people, you ever watch Hannity? That must be his rule. Listen, at least two or three have to talk at one time. It drives me crazy. Now, I know him. We're not best buds or anything, but I know him. And one time I was, I, I, I was holding one of my protectees' phones, 
and that protectee was away doing something. And so I was watching for three people to call, and I was to take that call, and once that call came in, just explain that my protectee will get back to you in just a few minutes, but we didn't want them to get voicemail. Sean Hannity calls. He was one of the three. So, of course, I answer the phone. I'm on the other phone with my mother. So I've, I've got my phone. I'm talking on my phone with my mom, and she's in my ear because you all know I use an earpiece. So I'm, I'm saying, Mom, can you hang on one second? I have to take this call. Well, she hears me talking to him, and I'm hearing her say, is that Sean Hannity? And, uh, and so I move the phone. I go, yeah, Mom, I got, I got to talk to Sean real quick. Uh, and I'm blah, 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 talking to Sean. And she goes, will you tell him to stop interrupting people? Tell him Mrs. Greener said stop interrupting people. I kid you not, she did that. So I said, of course, Sean, my mom is on the other line, and she says, he goes, let me guess, stop interrupting people. I said, yes. You interrupted me to tell me you knew that you interrupted people. It was the funniest thing, and he took it in stride. He was a great guy, really, really super good guy. But So if more than two people talk at once, it doesn't matter if you have an interpreter because there's so much going on. Who can hear it? Who can make it out? It's too much. It's practical, folks. It's practical. Shaul is being practical. And if there is, this is 28, and if there's no one present who can interpret, let the people who speak in tongues keep silent when the congregation meets. They can speak to themselves and to God. In other words, what was that movie, Austin Powers? What's the name of that movie? You know, he does in that. Anybody, anybody hear that? You ever, anybody ever see that? People at home are going, I don't know what he's talking about. Anyway, it was a funny movie. There wasn't much funny in that, in that movie to me, but that part was really funny. And then the part where he's driving the little, I happen to know what the nomenclature of it is. It's, it's a JG-75 tow tractor for aircraft, and he was stuck in that small space. So he keeps going back and forth and moving, and he's making these incremental movements. And it's like it's no big deal to him. It's like five minutes. He's doing this little backup, little pork. It's hilarious. I just laughed. I thought it was funny. doesn't take much to make me laugh. So, but he's saying here, and if there's no one present who can interpret, let the people who speak in tongues keep silent when the congregation meets. They can speak to themselves and to God. He's not saying quell your spirit. If the spirit is moving in you, don't, 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 don't squish it. But keep it to yourself. Let that be between you and God. He's directing the people back to let be between you and God. Have you ever been in a gathering that you know for you to express like a really intense thing, uh, an experience, a spiritual experience that you had to that group would flip the people out? Have you ever? I know. I see some bobbing heads. Yeah, I have. The Lord's telling you, keep that to yourself if these people tripped out over it. They're not ready yet. If they're not ready yet, they're not ready yet. Anyway, let they can speak to themselves and to God. 29, let two or three prophets speak while the others weigh what is said. And if something is revealed to a prophet who is sitting down, let the first one be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, and the result that all will learn something and all will be encouraged. Also, the prophet's spirits are under the prophet's control. This is 33. For God is not a God of unruliness, but of shalom. As in all the congregations of God's people. Now, here we go. 
Here we go. You had to know verse 34 was coming. Women next to your husband, here it comes. Women who've to- been told to hush, women should hush, wear a doily on their head. You know, you you know, you know this verse is coming. Where are my Nazarenes at? My Mennonites. They've all been up in here. Let the wives remain silent when the congregation meets. They are certainly not permitted to speak out. Rather, let them remain subordinate, as also the Torah says, and if there is something they want to know, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak out in a congregational meeting. I know there's a lot of folks armed in here, and I know there's some women armed in here, so I haven't been shot yet. We don't have any radio silence. It does not, this, this has been taken so out of context. This passage has been abused by men for centuries and centuries and centuries to mean what it doesn't. There's a great book by Dr. Skip Moen called Guardian Angel. It will trip you out. But it unpacks this and many other things that are such powerful Realizations. There's, a, there's two words called ezir kenedgo. That's what the woman is. And it's the greatest power in the congregation, uh, the greatest power and force in the world. It's absolutely amazing. Everybody has always heard behind every great man there is a, a great woman. It's indicative of the tremendous power that women have. And there are countless examples which... Uh, the Western Evangelical Church has really, really tamped down. And I want to say it's a shame that it has, because there's some great women out there. I remember growing up, uh, you know, my, my mom and the church, I, Independent Fundamental, hardcore uh, church, no women preachers. Women were to be seen and not heard in church. You were to work in women's missionary union. You were to sing in choir. They didn't even like women to lead the choir. That was that was that was a thing. There was no women choir leaders. Uh, if you were a teacher, uh, you were a Sunday school teacher of people younger than you, way younger than you, like children. It was okay to teach children, but it wasn't okay to teach your peers if there were men in that group. That's how I grew up. That's what I grew up being told, and something always felt off about that. And this passage is what was most often cited as the reason for that. doesn't mean what were the women doing, some of the women, not all of the women, but some of the women were here conniving, bringing twisted uh, uh, doctrines and just all these things, and some of it was self-serving. Uh, some of it was just just wild, just crazy wild. And so they were doing they were doing this, and he was saying, "Stop! You're out of control." We know of many women in the Bible who transformed the history that that we reflect on. So we know that he's not saying women have nothing to say. We know that Shaul is not saying. Women are a lesser class. We know that Yeshua himself, I do a sermon, uh, Yeshua loved women before it was cool to love women. 
giving all the examples of where Yeshua broke with tradition, air quotes, tradition to deal with women in a beautiful and amazing way. I guess what I'm saying to you is, is it's important to put things in context. It's important to understand that what is being said here is not, God bless you, women, shut up. Don't say anything in church. It's not, it's, that's not what it's saying. It's not what, that's not what it's saying. It's been twisted to mean that, but that's not what it's saying. I'll tell you, I'll t- tell you probably next week. Did the Word of God come back next week? Here, here. Yeah, they want to know right now. On the way home in the car. He should have finished that. You know he believed that because otherwise he would have finished that. You know, but no, he wants us to stew all week long. Well, baby, the only one stewing is you. I didn't ever say shut up. I didn't ever say that. You know, I'm just going to point it out. It is the Bible. He was reading the Bible. You might as well say God said you might want to hush once in a while. Okie dokie. Did the word of God originate with you? I hear rounds being racked right now. (laughs) Did the word of God originate with you, or are you the only people it has reached? Hello? Is this thing on? Did y'all hear what? Yeah. Did you just say sarcasm? Yeah, a little bit of sarcasm. Did the word of God originate with you? Or are you, or are you the only people it has reached? I love that. Shaul was smart. He was witty. People, you know, people always want to know, who do you want to see first in heaven? Um, I, you know, the popular answer is to say, Yeshua, I want to see Jesus. That beautiful song, you know, I want to see Jesus. Um, what is it called? I can't remember the name of it, but it's a powerful, powerful song. Um and I do, I really do. But I think to prepare myself, I'd like to talk to Paul. I'd like to talk to Shaul. I'd like to, like to talk to Peter, you know, Kepha. I'd like to talk to him because he was always talking about bringing down fire on some folks or cutting somebody. You know I love that. Because if he'd had a gun, he'd been like, he, you'd have heard him. Lord, you want me to pop somebody? You know I will. <laughs> he, was, he was the original Crips and Blood, you know. I love that. I just love it. I love how he was. I'm going to cut somebody, you know. I'd love to talk to him because I think it'd be fun. I don't think he's still like that, by the way. But I like it. Did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks, this is 37, if anyone thinks he is a prophet or is endowed with the Spirit, let him acknowledge that what I am writing you is a command of the Lord. In other words, if you think you're this person, you're this prophet, then you know that what I'm telling you is of the Lord. But if someone doesn't recognize this, then let him remain unrecognized. In other words, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you are living according to Adonai Elohim, according also, can I get an amen, Wes, to Torah, Because that's implied in all of this. If you are observing, if you're observant and you're doing these things that we are doing, that we, that you've been commanded by Yahweh HaMashiach and Adonai Elohim himself, then you, then, then you know what I'm telling you is true. But if you don't recognize it, then let him remain unrecognized. So my brothers, this is 39, 
eagerly seek to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But let all things be done in a properly and orderly a proper and orderly way. That's forty. Let me ask you, why do you think there's so many books and videos on speaking in tongues and how to speak in tongues? Why do you guys think that is? Chuching money. Money. I'm not I'm holding up a I'm not gonna say who it is. Uh I'm holding up a pamphlet. This is literally a pamphlet. And it is 30 pages long, start to finish. It's old. It has been, it was sold for $1.95. And back when it was sold, I want to see how old this thing is. But let's just look in here. I probably should have done this before I go live on the radio, but you know how it is. I'm not all that smart. 1980, so decades ago. <laughs> Uh no, dollar ninety five. I mean, I don't think I think probably now they know to give it away for free, and then for a suggested donation of you know things have changed, yeah, you know every week. But they know that they get money for this. This was a markdown price too. This was like a sale after a sale after a sale. And this guy, I don't know this guy. I mean, I know of him. Uh, I know of his ministry. I've studied his ministry, um, but I can tell you he made a lot of money. Off of this now, if I write a best-selling book, do I expect anybody to begrudge me for making money off that book? No, and I don't begrudge this guy. But there's a lot of money in. Remember, we talked about in our last study, the Revelation series, about why are there so many books and DVDs on end time prophecy because it sells, and because there is a hunger. After that, that's why it sells. And because the answer is never going to be fully answered or resolved until it happens. It will be too late. So here's the thing. It's the same way with this. Seven vital steps to receiving the Holy Spirit. I read over this again today. And I have to say... I really struggle. I really struggle with it because I know this guy. I'm sure his heart is good. I'm sure it is. Um, but here are the contents. Seven steps to receiving the Holy Spirit. That's six pages. Ten reasons. This is chapter two. Ten reasons why every believer should speak in tongues. That's from page seven to 25. And then number three, chapter three, the Bible way to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. And I read the scriptures. And obviously a learned man of God, internationally known dude. I mean, this is this is not a small potatoes guy here. This is a guy with an international ministry. And when I read his interpretation of Scripture, I think, what are you reading? It doesn't mean that at all. And I'm not that smart of a guy, and I'm certainly not that experienced of a guy, but I can read that and go, Dude, misinterpret much? And I almost want to see, you know, I've checked and I looked if his ministry still posits these theories and, and conclusions, and they do. To And he's doubled down, really, even to a greater degree. So what frustrates me is so many people 
including people behind the pulpit or behind a TV screen or behind a radio microphone, will twist for their own good what the Scriptures say. Shaul is very clear here. Ultimately, you can follow the money. But there's a, there's a air quotes pastor, internationally known guy, huge church. I think now he's the largest church in America. Um, he has developed a new sort of theology that is not at all representative of Scripture. And he's his books on pre-sale are bestsellers. Before they've even come out, they're bestsellers. Now, I don't knock being successful. I don't knock, uh, I love that. I'm a capitalist. I love that. But when it comes to our faith and, and living out our faith and, and experiencing our faith through Scripture and teaching, we have to teach the truth. But he teaches what he knows will sell. Tickling the ears. Anyway. His authority is him. And you know what? The the I, I think it's 30,000 regular attenders now. 30 grand. That's awesome. That, if you think about it, that's awesome. He fills up, a, what do they call it, a stadium? It's not called a stadium, is it? A basketball stadium. Yeah, he fills it up every week. And I'm not I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that great things don't happen in that place. I'm not going to tell you that people aren't changed, their lives aren't changed. I'm not going to tell you that because I don't think that's I think that would be untrue. I think that by the very nature of it, um there is some good in what they're doing. There's some good in what they're saying. But I have to tell you Books like this telling you, hey, look, you got, there's one of his points in here that says, look, you're not a Christian if you've not received the gift of the tongues. You've not received the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. Your faith is not sealed. God hasn't heard your profession of faith until you receive tongues. That's why the hungry, you know, in that congregation are like, oh, man, I've got to. I've got to I've got to learn this cuz I want to be accepted by God. I want to be in that number and 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 on that day when when the lightning splits the sky east to west and the Lord comes with his sword and the flaming horse, I want to be chosen. So much so that I'm going to read this and I'm going to go, "Wow." Say it again. I, I love what John, our host, one of our hosts, just said just now, and a radio audience can't hear this. And I and I, I do a whole sermon on the thief's faith. The thief on the cross, John just said, the thief on the cross never had an opportunity to speak in tongues. All he did was speak in intelligible words. He acknowledged that he was hanging next to Yeshua Hamashiach, he who had come to save us all, and that all included him. He knew that his place on the cross was deserved, and yet Yeshua's place on the cross was not. He knew these things, and he acknowledged the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And what did Yeshua say to him? Even today you will be with me in paradise. 
There weren't no tongues speaking done there. Just simple words. There's a lot can be said. You know, I, I there's a lot of authors I really, really like and a lot of speakers I really, really like. But the ones I like the most tend to be the plain speakers. They tend to be the ones who, through their humility, obviously they're very learned people, but through their humility, they speak right to my heart. Through their plain and simple speaking, they speak right to my heart. With me, I always, in my prayers, I say, God, you're writing those big crayon or that big chalk, you know, the big giant stuff looks like stalks of trees. And, you know, you got to write on the paper with the huge quadruple lines and, you know, because you got to make it simple for me. And those preachers, I think, are amazing. Now, there are a lot of preachers out there that are very scholarly and academic and, and move thousands and tens of thousands, if not millions, to a, a greater faith in Christ. But the thief on the cross, he never had a chance. So what's in this, this book that I'm holding up, uh, listen, if you're here in this audience and you, and, and you are here both here physically or on the, on the uh, radio, I, I want to say to you, if you've never received the gift of tongues, but you've lamented that, you felt bad for that your whole life, don't. Don't do it. Let it go. Let it go. It don't mean a thing. It doesn't. Let me say this. You'll never get a great revelation from God. You'll never, you'll never understand prophecy. You'll never understand anything of the Word until you get in His Word. You'll never understand a relationship with God, Adonai Elohim, until you pray in the name of His Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, until you pray in Jesus' name, until you have conversation with God, you will never, you will never, ever, ever have a relationship with God that you seek. And the other thing that you'll never have Dr. Greener returns next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And in the meantime, he'll be working to restore your freedom and your liberty. He will engage in the collision of faith and politics for you and with you. In the meantime, remember to follow him on Twitter at Eminorquietis. That's E-M-I-N-O-R-Q-U-I-E-T-I-S. That's Latin for Quiet Menace. And follow him on Facebook. Dr. Greener's controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, is available on Amazon and at other fine booksellers. Or you can get a copy directly through his website, www.drshawngreener.com, where you can also listen to interviews and speeches and messages free of charge. Show archives are available on iTunes through drshawngreener.com. 